Parliament is back with The Voice, Defence, Industrial Relations, the health system and the economy all high on the agenda. Tesla Model 3 becomes the third best-selling vehicle in Australia. And sushi terrorism threatens a sushi train near you. It's Monday, the 6th of February, 2023. Welcome to Fear and Greed, Australia's most popular business podcast. I'm Michael Thompson, and good morning, Sean Aylmer. Good morning, Michael. Sean, immediately after the show, you've got a, a chat with Roger Montgomery, the Chief Investment Officer of Montgomery Investment Management. This is a really interesting chat for investors kind of of any level. Yeah, so it's a little bit different. We just don't go and say what's good to buy and sell. We actually talk about what happens when a company or a management decides to buy another company, what should they look for? And of course, that the corollary with that is what should investors be looking for in companies? And Roger goes into, you know, what to think about what I mean, he gives a couple of great examples. One that uh, West Farmers Coles quite a few years back. Another more recent one with CarSales.com, and how you should think about whether those deals are good. Really fascinating chat. Yeah, it sure is. It's coming up a little bit later on. The main story this morning, though, Sean, Parliament is back from the summer break today and the voice referendum, defence, the, the state of the health system, industrial relations, the economy, cost of living pressures are really all going to be high on the agenda over coming months. There, there is a lot for them to talk about. Yes. I think it's great to see the pollies back in Canberra, Michael. I agree. You're sort of back to work. So, you know, I think the pollies should be back to work too. Now, the voice referendum will certainly get a good run. Yesterday, Prime Minister Anthony Albanese declared voting for constitutional recognition of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people through an Indigenous voice to Parliament will add something positive to the Constitution rather than remove something negative. He said people were being asked to say yes to a modest but meaningful change. Now, the opposition leader, Peter Dutton, late last week, he talked about constitutional conventions and the need for a constitutional convention ahead of this referendum. Not sure how the opposition will play it. They haven't exactly said no yet, but they are certainly mudding the waters at this point. Yeah, we're hearing plenty, obviously, about the voice referendum. But as I mentioned before, there is a fair bit going on in other areas too. Yeah, let's start with defence. Over the weekend, Deputy Prime Minister Richard Miles in Washington promised thousands of new jobs to build Australia's planned fleet of nuclear-powered submarines, which could ultimately see South Australian shipyards supplying parts for the US and UK submarine programs. In health, Minister Mark Butler says a review into general practice should investigate ways to attract more foreign workers into Australia and make it easier for them to have their qualifications recognised rather than, as he put it, work as Uber drivers. Now, on Friday, remember, the government said the Medicare system was in the worst shape it's been in 40 years and needs an overhaul. That was following the release of the Strengthening Medicare Task Force report, which includes 21 recommendations, including the critical one that says allied health professionals, think of pharmacists, physios, nurses, being able to pick up work more traditionally done by GPs. Also yesterday, Michael, the federal government said it will review public sector board appointments to weed out the jobs for mates culture and to ensure they're based on merit rather than politics. Yeah, it makes sense. And of course, Sean, in the run-up to the May budget, there is going to be plenty on the economy, really starting with tomorrow's Reserve Bank decision on interest rates. Yes, the economists out there expect a 25 basis point rise. Now, a poll of economists show that consensus is for two more 25 basis point rate hikes this cycle and then steady rates for the rest of the year. But on Friday, ANZ boss Shane Elliott had a word of warning. 
He says household finances are withstanding higher cost of living pressures and unemployment is still pretty low. Consumer spending is good, as is overall demand. He should know he runs one of the big banks. They're all things that can add to inflationary pressures. And Mr. Elliott says the Reserve Bank will want to see rising inflation slowing before stopping rate rises. So a word of warning from one of the key leaders in the banking sector. Sean, it feels like with the Reserve Bank board meeting tomorrow and the pollies back in Canberra today, it kind of feels like everyone's just back in kind of regular work mode now. Yeah, I think that we're all there. Now, actually, that does remind me of something, Michael. Mm. At the moment, and anyone that follows our Instagram account would know, you're on a bit of a wear shorts to work campaign. I, I am. I am. And I'm, I'm just trying to strike a blow for anyone who gets a bit hot wearing pants and wants to wear shorts. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. So on the weekend, I thought of you. I went to the Red Hot Chili Peppers and Post Malone concert in Sydney. Did you? And Posty, as he called himself, I was going to call him Mr. Malone, Posty, he wore shorts. And as <laughs> Anthony Kiedis and Flea, who's the bass guitarist, Anthony Kiedis being the lead singer, Flea, the bass guitarist, they wore shorts as well. So this might be catching on. Well, look, I, I, I don't want to get kind of um, be a pedant about this, but who did it first? Out of all of those people, one Michael Thompson did it at a fear and greed meeting last week. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen Post Malone without shorts on. And to be honest, Red Hot Chili Peppers, <laughs> they, well, they regularly come out nude. Yeah. So, so. <laughs> yeah. Shorts is really kind of dressing up for them, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I'm just impressed that you were at a, um, a Red Hot Chili Peppers concert. I was really impressed I was there too. Amazing crowd. Like people from, you know, the ages of 20 through to 65 basically. And I thought it was great. The reviews weren't great. I just thought it was fantastic. And, what I, you know, the 20-year-old girl sitting in front of us, every time Red Hot Chili Peppers played a song, you know, that re- released before 2005 or so, they knew every single word. Of course, anything off the new album, they're they're a little yeah you know, more sanguine. They're on their phones watching what was going on. But as soon as Californication or something like that came on up, they were. Oh, oh, it was I great. just I, I just love the thought. I, please tell me there was a selfie of you, or a photo of you taken there. I, I did it, but Jackie did, and you're going to ask me for that, aren't you? Yes, I am because I intend to put it on our Instagram mm. page. Mm, we'll see. We'll we see. will. <laughs> see if I was successful. Head to Instagram yeah. and go to Fear and Greed Podcast. Look, Sean, we have kind of deviated from our we course have. here fairly substantially. Back on track, markets last week. How did everything end up? Oh, look, it was a very good end to the week with the S&P ASX 200 closing up 0.6% to 7,558 points. Michael, it's less than 1% below its peak of August last year. There's a good chance that we may hit a new peak this week week. Of course, late this week and then pretty much next week and following few weeks, earnings season kicks in. So that will really dictate what's going on there. On Friday, healthcare and real estate stocks led the way. Blood Plasma Group, CSL, hit another record 52-week high. That's the second in a row. It finished at $313.97. Property leader Goodman Group jumped 3% to $20.96. Financial also did well, led by the country's largest bank, Commonwealth Bank's share price hit $110.98. Michael, a new record. That was Friday afternoon in two. So it opens in pretty good shape this morning. Commonwealth reports its half-year earnings on February 15. And investors are increasingly confident about its profit margins. Best on the day, though, on Friday was Pinnacle Investment. 
it rebounded back nearly 10%, having been sold off earlier in the week. Now, the gold stocks lost ground. Romilius Resources, Regis, Gold Road, West African, they all went backwards. Uh, and the big miners didn't do so well either, BHP, Rio Tinto and Fortescue. All right. International markets? Actually, it wasn't a very good weekend on Wall Street, with the tech-heavy Nasdaq falling 1.6%. But that's pretty much because three of the really big tech stocks provided disappointing earnings reports. Apple was one with weak iPhone sales resulting from disrupted production out of China. Mind you, its share price jumped about 2% over the weekend. I think people looked through that short-term blip. But Amazon reported lower than expected profits. Though revenue beat expectations, its share price tumbled more than 8%. And Google parent Alphabet's share price fell more than 3% after it reported disappointing earnings, suggesting low revenue from search advertising. One asset that hasn't done so well over the past couple of days is the Aussie dollar. It hit an eight-month high on Thursday of 71.57 US cents, and that's because investors thought the US is less likely to keep rising rates. But as that sentiment turned slightly, so too did the progress of the Aussie dollar. It fell as low as 69.25 US cents, and it enters the new week trading around the 70 US cent mark. All right, there's a bit going on. We'll be back in a moment with the rest of the day's business news. Sean, Australia's gold leader, Newcrest Mining, may be in the crosshairs of a global player with reports that the board has received an early stage approach. $20 billion Newcrest is the country's largest gold miner. And according to reports in the Financial Review, the most likely suitor comes from one of three global players, Toronto-based Barrett Gold, US-based Newmont Corporation, and Canada's Agnico Eagle Mines. Those are the big three players in the gold market globally. They're all about twice the size of Newcrest or more. Now, no one from Newcrest is commenting, so it's probably early days. The local miner is on the lookout for a new CEO, of course, after Sandeep Biswa finished up in December. Newcrest's share price is up 17% over the past six months. Wasn't much movement on Friday, but I dare say after this report, it may do okay today. <laughs> Is that because of this report, Sean? <laughs> well, I, I would like to take all credit. It was from the Financial Review. so um... <laughs> that, that makes sense. Now, the Tesla Model 3 was the third highest selling vehicle in Australia last month. And across the market, it was the best month in five years. Yes, that's on the back of relief in global supply chains, meaning people can buy a car and actually receive it fairly quickly. Not all cars are being delivered quickly. I know personally the Toyota RAV Hybrid has a waiting time of months or years, but things are definitely improving. Hang on, hang on. You know that personally, do you? Uh, a friend has ordered one. I, Not me. So I know a friend has ordered one and they're not getting it till July 2024. Excellent. There's a little alarm just started going off on the desk here saying mm. that it sounds like self-interest kind of coming back into mm. this from, from from Sean. But no, please carry on if it's a friend and not you. Is that like going into the chemist and asking for something for a friend, Sean? Yeah, sort of. Well, to be honest, we actually have, Jackie already has a Toyota RAV hybrid. So pushing up the price, fine by me. <laughs> Please, <laughs> go on. Anyway, figures from the Federal Chamber of Automotive Industries show new vehicle sales are at their highest level since January 2018. Sales were up 12% to 84,873 units. That's compared to a year earlier. Now, Tesla cut its prices in January, sort of two and a half, sort of somewhere between two and a half and 4%. 
that's in line with the global price cuts by the electric vehicle group. Elon Musk has spoken quite a bit about the need to reduce the cost of electric vehicles. That's really helped push it to number three. In fact, it's the best position or the highest position ever for an EV. Otherwise, Ford Ranger took the number one spot, followed by Toyota Hilux. They're always one and two. They Normally, it's the other way around, so good on Ford. Uh, number four behind Tesla Model 3 was Mazda's CX-3. Now, Sean, we talked last week about how the Auckland floods were resulting in a spike in claims, and now insurer IAG has warned that profit margins have been hit by the floods and higher inflation-boosting costs. Yeah, and it's the second time in six months the insurer, whose brands include NRMA and CGU, has missed targets for margins. Boss Nick Hawkins said IAG still has strong brands and it's growing premiums, but the floods and inflation, so this is the cost of replacing things, are hurting the bottom line. IAG is New Zealand's biggest insurer. It's received almost 15,000 claims from Auckland already. Its share price on Friday closed down 1%. Sean, the federal government may cap superannuation balances at $5 million, according to Financial Services Minister Stephen Jones. Yes, superannuation treats income concessionally, or another way of putting that is that you pay less tax on super. So the argument is that if you have tens of millions of dollars in super, why should you get the beneficial tax treatment? Now, as Senator Jones said on Friday, if you have $50 million in super, is it about saving for retirement? or something else? Is it about tax management or estate management, things like that? Hence, the government is thinking about capping the concessional treatment at some level, such as $5 million, which, let's be honest, not many people have $5 million in super by the time they retire anyway. That's still a lot of money, isn't it? Sure is. Now, this is an interesting one. A study has found that nearly one in three Australians have installed or are considering installing solar panels on their homes, really, to cut energy costs but it is skewed heavily towards wealthier households. Yes, the joint survey by the Melbourne Institute and Roy Morgan shows that 37% of Australians earning more than 90000 a year invest in solar, compared with just 20%, it's about half, of people who are financially distressed. Now, 22% of Australians earning more than 90000 a year had bought or considered buying an electric car, but this number was cut in half for poorer people. Most worryingly, the survey found that about one-third of young adults who earn less than $50,000 couldn't afford to heat or cool their homes to a comfortable level, and about 35% had skipped meals to afford bills. Yeah, that is pretty alarming. Sean, moving on to overseas news now, and really a developing story still on the world stage. China has threatened a response to the US government's decision to shoot down a surveillance balloon, which has been floating across America over recent days. It has been fascinating, though, don't you reckon? This balloon just floating across the northern part of the USA, and no one knowing what to do. Donald Trump said just shoot it down as he would. Uh, I think Joe Biden and the administration said, well, we actually don't want to harm anyone on the ground. That's been the problem. Eventually, it shot down the alleged Chinese surveillance balloon off the South Carolina coast yesterday, Australian time. President Joe Biden said he'd ordered the Pentagon on Wednesday to down the balloon as soon as possible without doing damage to anyone on the ground. The military decided the best window was while it was over the Atlantic Ocean within US territorial waters, though. A single missile from an F-22 fighter jet brought down the balloon. Don't you love that sentence? 
Yeah, yeah. Just, <laughs> uh, have you seen the footage of it coming down? Yeah, it's, it's yeah, it, it's big. That's the thing you don't. You, whenever you think of a balloon, like this is this is bigger than any kind of normal hot air balloon. Mind you, a missile. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, China didn't actually get advance notice of the plan, and Beijing wasn't happy, saying it was strongly discontented with the downing of its balloon and reserves the right for any necessary reaction to the incident. As you said, Michael, this is a developing story, so we'll have to wait and see. It's a, it is a very serious one, Sean, but there was also that, did you see the warning? This is when the balloon was still intact. The warning from a sheriff in South Carolina. Uh, no. Telling locals not to try to shoot the craft, the, the balloon down themselves oh, really? as it went over the area. And the, the post, the Twitter post from the sheriff said, yes, there are reports that the Chinese balloon is flying over our area at the moment. It's flying at 60,000 plus feet. Don't try to shoot it. Your rifle rounds will not reach it. Be responsible because what goes up will come down, including your bullets. Uh. And I just thought, <laughs> only in America, right? Yeah. Now, Sean, we've spoken previously about the rebound in cryptocurrencies this year, but a trend has emerged whereby digital units do much, much better over weekends. Yes. Now, Bitcoin's a good example. It posts big moves on weekends, like last Sunday when it gained 3.4%. Sunday before, it was up 5.5%. This is according to Bloomberg. It's become a characteristic of the cryptocurrency market, big moves on the weekend. Now, the most likely theory on the strong weekend moves is that liquidity is thinner, far, far fewer people are trading it, meaning that price swings on large orders can be more pronounced. Unlike most other assets, cryptos trade 24-7. If you think of the Aussie dollar, that trades mostly through the week, but it kind of has a weekend off, uh, same with equity markets. So cryptos trade all the time, and as a result, you get all these moves. Now, Bitcoin and ETH are up around 40% since their respective lows of November 2021, and this weekend trading has helped them. Finally, Sean, one that we mentioned at the top of the show, this is really one for sushi lovers. There is a new craze in Japan, apparently, called sushi terrorism, and it's, it's acts really made for viral videos in which customers commit unhygienic acts <laughs> as, the, as the sushi train passes by. It's disgusting. Yeah, haven't we all wanted to do it though when you see those sushi? Oh. oh, yeah. So basically last week a teenager posted a video to social media filmed in Japan's largest conveyor belt sushi chain. Now in it, he licked communal items including a soy sauce bottle and a bowl and touched sushi as it rolled past with fingers he put in his mouth. The video quickly went viral on platforms including Twitter. It sparked a wave of copycat incidents and it has a serious point to this because it actually sent the shares in the restaurant's parent company down about five percent michael this is pretty disgusting in any country but it's particularly touchy in japan which went through some of the harshest covid lockdowns incredible story once again we have bloomberg to thank for the story but can you <laughs> I don't want to think about it. No, no. And, and well, you know what? I, I'm one of those I can't use a, a sushi train because I'm very, very indecisive when it comes to ordering food and things. I'm always the last person to order if you're ordering off a menu because it takes me that long to make up my mind. But I can't decide as things go past on the train. And by the time I decide, it's kind of already two meters to my left. 
Oh, or you take it off. You think, oh, no, I won't. And then you went to go to put it on and the spot's gone. And then you think, oh, I can't really just put it on because I've taken it off. So you end up eating something you don't want. Oh, now you could just pick it up with your fingers and put it back on a different plate now, couldn't you? That's fine. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. All bets are off. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that is a very odd story to finish on, but I love that you found a business link. Sean, up next is the Fear and Greed Daily interview with Roger Montgomery, Chief Investment Officer of Montgomery Investment Management. Yes, as we said at the top of the show, we are talking to Roger about what companies and investors should look at when there's some M&A activity going on. And he goes through how in a financial sense, he thinks about whether a purchase will add to the bottom line or not. He uses Coles and West Farmers back, I think it was 2007, that deal was done to demonstrate how it doesn't always work. He also talks about the carsales.com recent purchase of Trader Interactive and tells us whether he thinks that's a good or a bad idea. Definitely an interesting chat for investors. Yeah, sure is. And also worth a listen is the week ahead with our resident economist, Stephen Kukoulos. Very, very excited. We've got the Reserve Bank tomorrow, which of course for an economist is kind of a, a dream. It's kind of, they, what, they meet 11 times a year? It's 11 Christmases a year. And Stephen's revved up for this one because we've always known that they've been, I mean, most of last year from about May, they just started lifting rates. We're expecting it. Tomorrow, we think they're going to go up 25 basis points, but what are they going to say? You know, he's very excited about that. There's also the uh, quarterly statement on monetary policy later in the week, and he thinks that'll be a cracker too. All right, they're both coming up next in the Fear and Greed playlist on your podcast platform or at fearandgreed.com.au. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Michael. It's Monday, the 6th of February, 2023. Make sure you're following the podcast. Join us online on LinkedIn, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. I'm Michael Thompson, and that was Fear and Greed. Have a great day.